Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Swell Suite, everybody. Hope you're having a great week. We are back with a new episode and it is Tanisha and myself. We discuss her press trip to Italy to a region called Quireto. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She was trying to teach me during the episode. She tells me a lot about um, the history of this region and their experience with creating Italian rosés, even some aged rosés. It's a really great, informative episode. I hope you enjoy. Cheers. Yeah, so this episode is me and you. Um, welcome to this world suite. Hello, it's so glad to be here. It's so I'm so glad to be here. Go edit that part out. Hello, I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> so first of all, you've been killing it right now. You think so? Thank you. And I'm not saying that like trying to be arrogant. Like I really, I really like have been head down, not looking up. And so I have no idea what's happening. Yeah. So you just, are you allowed to talk about this yet? How you, um, you won an award? I won, like literally just found out. <laughs> and Tell us about I mean, it. It's a, a wine travel award. Uh, I was nominated for it a while back and then did a whole campaign. Like, please vote for me, guys. I'm the best. Vote for me. And people did. And so um, it's the unique route, route, you know, depending on your accent of the day. And uh, uh, people voted and then they took the top ones, the top votes. And then somebody on the committee selected one from um, those top ones. And then I was selected for the unique um, route because uh, in the tour guide game and in touring. So mm. because of some work I've done with um, uh, Girl Meets Glass and then with Wine School Dropout, they were like, hey, yeah, you go forth, go do it. So yeah, I'm unique how i you awesome. know, show people the world that, is that great. i am what does this award mean like for you girl i'm about to have t-shirts made are you about to- <laughs> you about to be sick of me prepare to be sick of me prepare to be sick of me all right <laughs> <laughs> so we recorded this is a serious program okay but no for real um what this means is this is something that i'll um uh, be promoting, be talking about. It will also be in a lot of wine travel magazines and wine travel mm. publications, okay. which is excellent with a lot of the big uh, uh, wine fairs coming up. So Provine, this happened in a couple of weeks. This will be announced there. London Wine Fair, this will be posted and stuff at London Wine Fair. Um, I think they might be doing something with it at that Italy already happened, but I think it's another uh, big wine fair that, that is happening that they will be talking about this uh, there. So it is something that I will uh, be better about, you know, you know, I don't do well with saying things about myself. So I will be doing better about um, talking about this and mentioning that this is a thing and um, kind of promoting, promoting this and saying I did it and I won. So, you know, that's awesome it'll put me in front of a whole lot of new people yeah you might need like a second person to come work for you to help you with your tours that 
I because that is starting to kind of pick up a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And I am, uh, you know, I've changed the business a little bit and don't do the wine bar tours as much just because the timing and just everything didn't work out. And so uh, we're directing those people into some other classes that I offer um, or other tasting options. But uh, yeah, I have to figure out how I can better help them. You'll figure it out. It's a good problem to have. But I'm not about to complain about that problem at all. Point people in the correct direction. Like, hey, let me tell you how to give me your money. (laughs) So I can provide you with an amazing experience. I mean, I would get them some in return. It's not, you know, it's not robbery. (laughs) But uh, to give people a great experience. Because too many people come to Paris and don't have a great experience. Too many people want to know about wine and they don't understand it. And they just can't get the information that they need. And I want to be that for them, especially when it comes to French wine. French wine is confusing. People don't want to, um, and along with that Italian wine, uh, people don't want to tread through all the information that exists in order to get the pieces of information that they want or that they need. Hmm. And I don't want to make it seem unapproachable, difficult, stuffy, old. Everybody can drink wine. You don't have to have this whole body of knowledge in order to drink wine because nobody feels like that when they go to drink vodka or beer. I mean, and there are beer snobs. Beer snobs exist and they go hard, but there is not this barrier to entry with beer like it is with wine. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, You mentioned Italy. Please tell us about your trip to Italy and what you did there. Well, I was just in Italy and was in um, Lake Garda or Lago di Garda, which, you know, Italian. Always just sounds better in Italian. (laughs) And was in the region Chiretto di Bardolino, which I will admit here, and I told them there, that um, I had never heard of before they told me about this trip. And uh, it is a region that's not, New. It's actually one of the first appellations in Italy to be awarded the DOC recognition, and they got it in uh, 1968. Bardolino did. Uh, Chiaretto changed their name to Chiaretto de Bardolino. That was recent, so I think that's why they're doing this big push with these events. They changed their name in 2021. Okay. So, um, and Chiaretto de Bardolino is a, a tradition of pink wine. So they do mainly. Yeah, it is rosé. Bardolino is red wine, but the Chiaretto is uh, pink. And the wines began in the wait, Roman back era. Up. You said, wait, wait, wait. You said, I, I, I am not going to even try to pronounce this word that you're saying. So, but you're Chiaretto. saying. Chiaretto. Chiaretto. Yes. Okay. C-H-I-A-R-E-T-T-O. Chiaretto. Chiaretto oh. de Bardolino. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then there is also Bardolino wines, and those are red. Okay, got it. Okay. And the Continue. grapes, uh, it's local Italian grapes, Corvina and Ronzanella. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, they, the word Chiaretto derives from Latin, of, and the word is clarum, C-L-A-R-U-M, meaning light in color. So that's how uh, they got their name. And then they do the pressing with uh, hardly any maceration, uh, very little maceration of the grape juice on the skins. And the wine that's obtained from there is pink. 
So not really. Hmm. Interesting. So what all did you do there? Did you just do like master classes or did you do tours? Master classes, toured a few different wineries, heard about some uh, kind of new and cool things that they are doing in the region. There are a couple of producers there that are doing um, going full organic and they're talking about their conversion. Um, some have already made uh, made it to organic and are selling their wines now as uh, organic. And um, yeah. That we, we did. Uh, I'm just, you know, taking it, think, trying to just organize it all in my mind with everything that happened since, like, I'm just recently. How long were you there? Uh, five days. Wow, that's a long time. Five days. And so you were yeah. essentially on a press trip. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Very it nice. was a press trip where we went to a few wineries, ate a ton. Um, and then they had an event called Prima del Quijeto de Bartolino. And with that event, it is that was where they had the master classes. And then they also had some tastings where you can just go to the different producers and taste. And we went for the press day, but then they also had that same event the next day that was open to the public. But for us, it was just open to press so we could do interviews, talk to people. But it wasn't that much that we could do as far as um, tastings. We didn't have that much time because we did have the master classes. Okay. Now, a cool thing about what they did with that is they had all the wines there available that we could just sit in a room and sommeliers would just bring us whatever wine we wanted. Oh, that thing was insane. Uh, some people, there was one girl, she tasted everything. I'm pulling out, hopefully you can hear this paper. <laughs> I'm pulling out my notes. So you won't be like, what is she doing? So um, they had the Spumanti, so the sparkling Chiaretto, which I was drinking those. I was like, oh, Sarita will be losing her mind. Oh, man. So think all of these pink wines sparkling in various styles. There were 22 of them. Oh my gosh. And they were like, okay, just try whatever you want. And then the regular Stio Chiaretto de Bardolino, still, there were 50 of them. Whoa. We could sit there and ask them to bring us whatever from this list. Hmm. And they would bring it over. Um, I think I tried 22 things total. And then okay. I was like, okay, get away from me. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Did you anymore. notice um a vast difference between these Italian rosés versus French rosés? Yes, and here's a cool thing that they did too, one of the master classes. They have this organization that was started called Rosé de Terroir. And you know the term terroir, the French mm -hmm. term that they use that is the climate, the soil, uh, yeah, um, all the things together. And they had Chiaretto, they had a Tavel, they had a Bandola, a Rosé from Côte d'Argonne, and a Claret from Bordeaux. So they had okay. us taste all of these together. And then they had us, um, and then they had a couple of winemakers there to talk about them. This organization was started because they wanted it to be for serious rosés, gastronomic rosés, not these styles of rosé that you just sit by the pool 
and you know, mindlessly drink, or you just throw a couple of ice cubes in and you drink in a picnic. These are rosés that they want you to pair with your dinner that you have in fine dining. And uh, I noticed that these rosés are serious uh, gastronomic rosés. These are rosés that will stand up to dinner. These aren't things that you just drink mindlessly. Uh, the flavor profile of some of them was just, I mean, outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, for those who don't know, um, what does gastronomic mean? So gastronomic, just think, goes with food. Um, a lot of times when you think rosé, you think, all right, I'm sitting by the pool. Let's just open this rosé. Let's just have a super chill. And you don't think of rosé when you are making your meal. If you are doing fine dining, you don't think, oh, I want to have a rosé to pair with this. Or you're cooking dinner for yourself at home. You're not thinking about pairing a rosé with it. But these type of rosés, Kirato, Bandol, Tavel, um, Claret from Bordeaux, these are pink wines that are serious, that are big, that are bold, that have this amazing flavor profile, this great sense of place and expression of terroir, and that they should be taken seriously. Not that this rosé, well, you know what? I can't even lie. This rosé was really good. There's a new House of Brown rosé that everybody's trying to get their hands on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you've, you would have seen this post, but it is absolutely gorgeous. It's so, so pretty. And it's, um, I believe they use it in a blend style. So the grapes is Zinfandel, Muscat Canelli, and Viognier. Nice. But yeah, it presents, it's so gorgeous and it's so fruity, but it's, I didn't have it with food, but I definitely could. So I have to go back to chats and get another bottle and figure that out. But yeah, it's definitely rosé season. And another cool thing is these, uh, there were several producers that are exported to the U.S. that are available to the U.S. So, ah, okay. That is a cool thing. Um, And I was able to get a few um, bottles to bring back with me. Um, nice of course you know I always have a situation at the airport <laughs> um, trying to put it together because I'm like no five seems normal and five will fit in a suitcase along with the rest of my stuff so um, um what five. kind of food did y'all have with these rosés okay you might have to edit that sound out sorry um, <laughs> so of course pasta you know, to start, but sure. not even pasta in like a heavy sauce. It was pasta with like olive oil yes. and just some cracked black pepper. Yes. Fresh pasta. Uh, one that we had was with mushrooms. Uh, another night, or well, one night we had fried perch. Girl, they Ooh. fried, they fried this black woman some perch on a boat. Okay. Wait, so tell, <laughs> wait, so back up. To, how how y'all get in the boat? So tell us about the boat. So it started as like, oh, we're going to do a aperitivo near the lake. It's going to be great. It's your first night. This would be a good way to, you know, just kind of meet the other people on the trip and a good introduction to these wines. And then we get there and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we thought it'd be cool to do an aperitivo by the lake. But then we're like, oh, wouldn't it be even cooler if we did it on the lake? Mm. So we're on a boat. So, girl, we get on this boat and we are living our best lives on the boat. Um, the uh, communications director, I think is his title of the um, organization, the Kiriheto organization. He uh, was talking us through some of the rosés that they were pouring on the boat. 
Because when I tell you, they just had them sitting in ice when we got on the boat. Oh, and then God. they just start opening them and then put them on the table. Oh. I was like, I can't keep up. Can't help. <laughs> but I mean, I made it work. Oh, I'm sure you did. So and they had the pasta, had, then they fried the fried the perch they on the had boat. Some fried perch, and then they brought us this other kind of. Uh, they brought us a cheese, if I'm not mistaken, um, and then a couple of other little snack things. Of course, the perch is the thing that sticks out in my mind because when was the last time I had perch? And then it was fried to perfection. Wow, really? Yes. Huh. I was like, well, what do you know? These Italians <laughs> frying perch, man. And uh, yeah, so there were some, uh, a couple of the wines there stood out to me. So other people took pictures of them. Because, you know, I'm not really one to take pictures of bottles because yeah. I don't share those. So wrote down a couple of names, a couple of things that I thought were good. And then tasted them again when I was able to taste, uh, when I was able to have the sommeliers just bring the wines to me. I was like, I'd like to taste the following, please. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, so they ran and got those and there were a few that still stuck out. You know, sometimes when you taste things in a certain place, you're like, oh, this is good. And then you yeah. get back home, you're like, ah, yep. okay. Yep. No, those, yeah. those, those held up. Those held up. Yeah. I've written about that so many times. Yeah, so many times. Um, and you, um, you were actually texting me during this uh, press trip and you, um, you mentioned an aged rosé. What was that like? Oh, I did. You did. Were you sober at the time? I mean, probably not. (laughs) I was probably hanging on the thread. (laughs) But that's something that was interesting to me um, with these rosés as well. These are rosés that age. These are things that they're not like, oh, okay, um, drink this one or two years. Because, you know, usually you hear that with rosé, especially with, you know, not to poo-poo on these because... You know, I love uh, Provence rosés, but when you think of Provence rosés, you don't think of things that are uh, older. Mm-hmm. But these, um, I'm looking through my notes. We did a vertical of, okay, here it is. We did a vertical of Chiarato de Bargellino from 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Wow. The acidity on that 2014 and 15 was astounding. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, the 14 and 15, those are actually, the producer is organic. That was the thing that kind of got me. I was like, wow, so 2014, huh? Because if you pull out 2014 Provence Rosé, I'm going to say, oh, no, that's vinegar. <laughs> that's taking a turn. Don't do that. Yeah. But yeah, and the region produces, I think they said about uh, a million bottles. Uh, hmm. And of course, you know, they keep a lot to themselves, but they do have some producers and um, some of the wines that make it to the state. So that's a cool thing. About 30 of the producers as a whole uh, make sparkling. So sparkling is about 300,000. That hmm. style production. There was a sparkling that really stood out to me. They made it in the uh, champagne method, in the classic champagne method. That thing was amazing. Um, the, the bubbles on it, the stone fruit, the um, acidity. Yeah, um, I'm going to do a tasting of that here with some friends and mm. put that next to a um, champagne rosé, a rosé champagne. Huh. And have them do a blind tasting of that. What part of Italy were you in? Was it northern or southern or? Northern. It's okay. around Veneto. Yeah. Oh, okay. Into Verona. Um, mm. And then we went there from 
went to uh, Lago de Garda from there or Lake Garda. from um, there. Because I was at uh, two weeks ago, I was at an Alto DJ uh, mm-hmm. tasting and I'm always impressed with those wines. My first time having them, it was all bubbles. And I was just astounded. I was like, I cannot believe this is not champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's wonderful. This time we had um, some steel wines and they were just, they were so good. So I, I can definitely see getting more into Italian wines. The thing about Italian wines, and this goes for French wines as well. And I have to remember this. I'm better with French wines because I live here. Right. Uh, so I get it. But from the outside looking in, it's like, wait, what? I don't understand what these regions are, what the grapes are, anything mm-hmm. like that. With Italy, even more so because they have um, more surface area of Italy is covered in vineyards than yeah. France. And these aren't native grapes. Well, they're native to Italy, but these aren't like what we consider international grapes. Right. So we're talking Sangiovese and Nebbiolo and Corvina and Rondonella and, you know, um, all these other types of grapes that we don't, they're not the international varieties that you think of. When you ask people to name grapes and talk about, oh, big six grapes, they're like, oh, Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, um, Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, that kind of thing. Italy mm-hmm. is a whole different beast. So you're learning new grapes. You're figuring out what region is what. Talking from, you know, um, the Veneto region, Lombardy, uh, this region of Bardolino, and then you get into Puglia and Basilicata and you know, going south and all of these other things in between. What is a super Tuscan versus a Barolo and a Barbaresco mm-hmm. and a Multipuciano? And people are like, girl, what? Yeah. Yep. It's hard to um, like reconcile that in our mind or understand it. But what I would suggest is like take a region at a time, uh, think about a flavor profile you like, and then think about how that um, figures into Italy, whether you're going to do north. I guess central, I don't remember what they call that, or southern Italy, and they kind of just, you know, go from there. Of course, you know, now, since we're in spring, going into summer, definitely think about Chiaretto de Bardolino, because these wines are amazing. I can't say that enough, and I'm (laughs) so glad to have heard of this region, to have been introduced to this region, so that um, I can scream it from the rooftops, that this is a rosé worth drinking for sure we're seeking out searching for and drinking yeah and um i learned this from stanley tucci his show is coming back this summer i believe and i cannot wait but um his show is uh, all about italy and so watching his show he was saying how different parts of italy um different foods are involved also so you go to a certain part of italy where polenta is really popular and -hmm. you go to other areas it's rice and then other areas of course is pasta so Oh, and bread is a whole nother level in Italy. So you can actually study the food with the wine too and, you know, pair them together. That would be really fun. Absolutely. They had some jokes about um, not eating bread in Southern Italy because they don't use salt. Mm. So that was like a big thing that they don't use uh, salt down there. And I didn't realize how different the food uh, was because when I was in Italy, I think last year, I was like, well, wh- why are they not serving me any tiramisu? Like I've had like, <laughs> three or four desserts. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we know I have no tiramisu. I like, think you texted me during that and you were like, it's, wasn't it fruit? 
Yeah, I'm like, what you giving me what, fresh? They kept bringing out fresh cherries, and I'm like, what? And they're like, oh my gosh, fresh cherries! It's cherry season. I was like, if you don't bake these into a cake, stop <laughs> playing with me. <sighs> uh, I'm a disaster. But uh, here we had this one, so it was still no tiramisu, but there was this one dessert that we had at this restaurant in Bardolino. Oh my gosh, it was insane. Of course, I don't know what the name of it specifically was because we don't get menus. They just bring us stuff. But it was like this wafer. I got to find somebody who has a picture of it. And when I find that picture, then I'll make sure to tag you um, so you could see it. Okay. I still think about this dessert. It <laughs> was, was it like a waffle? The flavor of no, it was like um, think like the shape of a donut, so okay. like a circle with a hole in it. Yeah, but think of it. Those were wafers, and then it was like cream in between it mm. with some dried fruit that was oh, in wow. there, and then it was this licorice powder that dusted the um plate, mm. and then it was on top. I ate that thing. <laughs> And then the uh, woman next to me, she's like, oh, this is delicious, but I can't finish it. And I just looked over at her. She's like, Tanisha, do you want it? And I was like, I know I just met you. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And then the girl across from me, we would joke each other because we're like, we are the clean plate club. Whatever comes out here, we're eating it and we're cleaning our whole plate. The food was amazing everywhere we went. It was so fresh. This restaurant was also just outstanding. They served it us a champagne like to start. Yeah. And they, I'm like, if I ever come back here, I will come to this place. Uh, of course, I can't give you the name of it right now because, you know, um, I'm still gathering my thoughts and pulling my notes together. But I'll give it to you so I can put in the show notes. The restaurant okay. was amazing. Yeah, this whole experience sounds awesome. Sounds it cool. was, it, yeah, it was... Uh, I don't want to say unreal because it was very real. And also, you know, I want to be mindful of my words and how I use them just in general, not just because I know they're listening to this, but uh, being mindful of the words I use. And it was a fantastic experience to be able to really see and enjoy and understand a region in this way. Everybody doesn't get a chance to have the opportunity yeah. to do a deep dive like this. So that's why I'm happy to share it with you, happy to share it with the um, listeners, because I want people to look for um, these wines and to think about these when they think rosé and to really look at rosé as a more serious category. I know that is something that I'm definitely doing now. And even the um, producers of the French rosé, um, I definitely got their information. I was like, oh, well, we need to talk and see kind of mm-hmm. what kind of thing uh, we can do. Because I would love to do some rosé tasting, some rosé pairings, um, food and rosé pairings together um, with mm-hmm. the food that I'm with and things like that. And seeing how these go with food. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, send me your favorites because I'd like to see what's in our area so I can also put it in the show notes because we have a strong listenership in the DMV, of course. And so we can point people in the right direction. Absolutely. And then also think about these again, not just poolside, but think of it of going with your pasta and your pizza. Think mm-hmm. about that when you, um, because I definitely had, I actually had pizza for dinner tonight and um, I snuck some uh, of the rosé home with me. 
and I, think I, this one <laughs> it was titled the name got me it was pink diamonds oh wow. um i can't think of the name of the producer now but on the label it was this uh like fuchsia and hot pink label and it was pink diamonds mm. i was like oh well this is great that i didn't mm. finish it and so they're like oh here just take it finish it in your room that i didn't finish that either so mm. you know me never letting wine go to waste <laughs> um, i put it in a water bottle to bring back with me so there's that so I had that with pizza and it was fantastic. I just had a regular uh, tomato mozzarella um, ah. margarita style pizza. Yeah. And you have and to then, think the way pizza looks in Italy and mm-hmm. shoot in France too. It's not like American pizza where it's drenched in sauce and cheese. You mm-hmm. know, everything is light and airy. You are correct. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, it was great with the pizza. And then they recommended, I mean, I told you I had it with fish. Um, I can also see it going with sushi. I can mm, also yeah. see it going with um, other styles of Asian cuisine, um, especially if you're doing some uh, light fish or even if you're doing something a little spicier. I can yeah. see this. Um, yeah, I love rosé with um, most mm. seafood, shellfish, clams, oysters, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, something I learned, Lake Garda is the largest lake in Italy. Lake Garda? And that is Mm-hmm. Lake Garda, oh. and that's where this region um, is around the lake, around Lake Garda. So huh. it, um, and it's Mediterranean climate, so that contributes to, you know, the whole uh, idea of terroir. So that's yeah. something they're really... Speaking of climate, you were pretty wrapped up. Was it chilly while you were there? It was since we were by, by water. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely... Uh, chilly especially in the mornings when we first start out it would be like in the 40s low Hmm. 50s then during the day it would be in the like mid 60s which is still a little chilly but then I guess the way the sun hit I don't know I'd be like wow I'm warm but I'm like it's only 65 and 65 is not that warm yeah Yeah. it's not cold but it's not like oh let me take my coat off warm no I'm like I turn my thermostat higher than 65 like that's how I gauge it Right, right. But I also like as part of this trip, it wasn't just drink wine all the time. There were some historical things they showed us. Uh, There were some other sites that they showed us. We got to taste the food of the region, um, see the cute little towns. You know, I love a little small French town, but a small Italian town is different. And especially since this was all off of water. Mm. So to see the fishing boats, um, they were like, oh, these are the boats that go out to co- collect the fish in the morning. And then they come back in the afternoon and they have um, um, all these bright colors and uh, the, the way the flowers and the, the different um, greenery grew around the windows of some of the buildings and things like that. Like what you see in movies of uh, country mm-hmm. Italy, I'm like, oh, this is it right here. Yeah, this is it. They say they get a lot of visitors. Um but it's not, you know, tourist season now. Sure. There were a few people there, but they're like, oh, come July, this whole area is packed. You can't even walk mm. through here. I was like, oh, that would be annoying. <laughs> Do you know if it's expensive to travel there and to stay there? That's what I was asking them. And they were like, it's not if you can, you know, find a place to stay. But they say it's not. It's not an expensive okay. place to travel to or stay. All right. So I'm like all these little undiscovered places. All right. Right. Like, huh. And your wine is delicious. Well, so 
and the freshest of the fresh pasta. Oh, and I got some jam. One of the wineries that what kind of jam? Uh, and that's what I couldn't figure out what kind it is because it was um, Nespar, and then we translated it, and we're like, I don't know what that means either. So, okay, well, what color? I don't know what it? kind of jam it is. It's like an orangey color. Okay. Yeah, it also made it in my suitcase. That suitcase <laughs> is water. But RIP, the wheel broke. So we got. Oh, oh, you got to get another one then because you can't fool around with a janky suitcase as much as no you not because this wheel broke broke and this is the one that is the the proper size my other suitcase okay. is just a small weekend situation yeah. two, three days this is my four to five day bag okay and then i have an america suitcase so those are my sizes <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm assuming your america suitcase is massive it is massive yeah you can fit two people in there okay <laughs> to adult people because i needed to be sturdy enough to hold the 50 pounds like that i'm packing to 50 pounds every time yeah yeah i can believe that i, I also can. usually pack another suitcase in that one and then put my stuff going to america in the other suitcase in that and so then when i okay. come back i just pay for an extra bag pull that suitcase out so then i have Two suitcases instead oh. of always going home buying a suitcase. Okay, that's really smart, actually. That's pretty smart. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't need stuff going there. I'm like, I want to just buy what I need, so then I can use yeah. that when I um, come back. But, yeah, yeah, that was Kirito. Um, I'm I trying to think that. of what else I would like to say about the region because you know I want to share this with them that uh, we talked about it. Yeah. Like, I want to go. I would love to go. I mean, and it's water. I, and you I, would any, love anybody, it. anybody of water is going to suit me. So lake, ocean, river, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You will really love it. Yeah. Especially with the, uh, once they got to the sparkling wine, I think you, you would go crazy. Mm. Oh, I feel like I can taste it. <laughs> you lose your mind. <laughs> and also that, that, um, you saying you could taste it and thinking about the water aspect of it. I think some of that salinity from the water comes across mm, um, in the wines yeah. too. You get that mouth watering uh, freshness oh. um, on the palate. So, yeah. Man. Man, and then there's also job. this thing that they yeah. mentioned when, because um, there are mountains there too. And mm. the, the ancient glaciers eroded the rocks from the mountains and then moved them downward. So that there were even some parts of the mountain that you can see how it was cut or like sliced by a glacier. And uh, they're saying that that is kind of what helped them get the soil the way it is, which then imparts the flavor over uh, to mm. the vines. And then also then with the soil, with the lake breeze and that kind of thing, then the vine growers take that technology and they create this uh, amazing rosé wine. Wow. Look at that. We got a whole lesson. I mean, I am nothing yes. if not thorough. And, yes, um, I love it. I love that. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to think. I don't have, I don't, I mean, I can't, my updates do not compare to Italy. Um, I have not been doing anything interesting in comparison. <laughs> I've just been eating and drinking at home. Ma'am, you've been living. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, I had a really interesting wine over the weekend. It's a carbonated Cinso. Oh, right, right. It um, from where? Who is doing that? Uh, <laughs> so this this company called Foxtrot. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure how they work, but they invite expert winemakers to come make wines with very specific grapes. And they identify the style that they want to make this wine in. And so they challenged a winemaker to make a carbonated senso. And what is her name? It's Samantha Sheehan. All right. Okay. So she was listed in the 40 and the 40 wine enthusiast. I'm not sure what year, but um, yeah, she's a winemaker. So she went to Foxtrot and it's called Head to Toe Senso. And it was so it was so interesting because I love that name. Head to toe. Right. Oh, okay. yeah. It was like it was like a battle in between. Do I want to be a rosé, a deep, rich rosé, or do I want to be a red wine? I don't know. I'm somewhere. It's like a tug of war between the two, but it was extremely fruity. Um, lots of berries, cherries, and all the things. Um, really nice acid on it. Um, definitely um, a pizza wine. You can, with any, like an American pizza or an Italian style pizza, like margarita a red sauce would pair really nicely with this. Great. Yeah, I I loved it. It was great. So thank you, Foxtrot, for sending that to me. It was awesome. Right. Shout out to Foxtrot. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Anything else you want to share with the people? You got anything coming up in the next week? Um, No, I'm finishing up teaching this class. That's uh, been my whole thing. Um. But yeah, nothing coming up in the next week. Oh, I'm lying. See, I forgot already. Uh-huh. Next what week, I am. Next week, I'm going to <laughs> Avignon, um, to, uh, do some press and stuff on, uh, biodiversity and viticulture. Huh. So, um, they're really doing this big push toward you know sustainability, um, biodiversity and things like that in uh, the vineyards because with climate change and things happening. These are conversations they're really trying to have. You know, Mm -hmm. they keep talking about from year to year, they keep having these issues of hail and frost. I meant to ask you about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Continue. Yeah, they keep talking about that. Um, And so these are conversations they want to have about what can they do for certain things, how it's affecting certain vineyards from north to south. What are some things they can do going forward? Is this something that they need to start petitioning the AOC to be able to allow certain, them to do certain things? Um, should they be thinking about adding new grapes into new blends in certain regions? What would that look like? So I'm interested to hear this conversation. Um, and then I'll be doing a press trip with them before that, I think, shutting up the pop. And this is, uh, I'm going on that as a part of the Echensonnerie that I was inducted into last year. Mm. So they were like, oh, we're going to send for you. Okay. Okay. I'm like, do well, I need to wear my um, key? Do I need to wear my little velvet um, <laughs> sash? Let me know. I'll bring my velvet sash. I'll wear that. Well, we cannot wait to hear about that. We'll um, do another one-on-one. And we can yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, anything going on with me? No, not really, guys. Um you know, we took a little spring break for the podcast and we're back in action. Yeah. Sunday is mother's day. Um, all my mom wants is crabs. So I have to, uh, find the best deal on those, but, um, and choose some wine. What she wants. Hey, all the things give all the moms, all the things. Cause I don't know how y'all do that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that is our show. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. 
that was cute. 